0: Hello and welcome to The Last Word Podcast. I am your host, Gino, bad motherfucker named Gino. Uh, bad Mickey Ficky named Gino on Rizzle, if you know what that is. Um, it is, for me, a, a Wednesday evening, late afternoon, early evening. Uh, I, I'm taking a, a day off. I'm cognizantly taking a day off. And this is the first time I take a day off and don't take an edible. So I said last week that I'm I'm laying off of the hooch, the geno hooch, which is weed. Uh and I can tell I can tell how used to being high I am on a regular basis because it's only been like a week and maybe a day since I've been high and I'm feeling it. <laughs> because I really wanted to get high today, but it's cool because I also notice I'm just kind of a little bit like more quick with my faculties. And I feel like it took me long enough to really detox. I remember the f- the first time I took an edible because I've always had a low tolerance, and no amount of uh, just having just living the stoner lifestyle ever upped my tolerance. I always got high most of the day off of one bong rip. Uh, I would always go through a paranoid existential crisis if I took too big of a bong rip, and that didn't stop me from taking subsequent bong rips. And I've, I was always a bong rip guy, not a little, not a little hit guy like hit of weed guy and i've only discovered after my entire life and career of as a as a fucking pot smoker pothead edibles guy i only discovered like maybe a year ago that like oh maybe i should just take a smaller hit and it'll just take the edge off of life instead of forsaking my existence and somehow falling in the habit of doing that on a regular basis but anyway uh i i realize how long the month of march will be for me without weed because i think about it and and my roommate smokes and i come outside and i smell it and i'm like oh that smells good yo um i have my topics written down because i'm being professional now i have like a thing going on in my ear where i think i hope it's just too much earwax but i feel i i hear a crackling whenever my my jaw moves a certain way and it just feels like there's something in there My mom told me when she was a kid A bee died in her ear And she didn't know until she went to the doctor And he pulled it out So hopefully it's nothing serious I guess because Life fucking throws weird shit at you Anyway, I just want to say that um, I guess what I what's really Present on my mind Is uh, this bar show That I did last night Oh my god What a fucking shit show Ugh. Oh. I can't wait to not have to do those anymore. You know, it's funny. I hope I get to a point where I don't have to do those anymore. I mean, I I hope I get to that point is all I'm going to say. Um, I love Conan O'Brien. I'm a big Conan O'Brien fan. And it's really inter- interesting to notice how many people are new fans of his ever since he's been doing a podcast. He's not on the air anymore. He quit his show. like like I think it's been, been about a year. And he was talking about his, like, the equivalent of doing bar shows. Because as a big famous comedian, as a very successful person in comedy, you still have to do some equivalent, which is, like, benefits and stuff like that. Or, like, some uh, really famous comedians talk about the White House press dinner, which they don't do anymore. Ever since Trump, they just don't do anymore. And I'm pretty sure the Democrats were like, yeah, we really didn't like those either. The The last one that anybody liked was, like, obama's third year or something like that i don't know but uh yeah he's he was saying how like you get on stage nobody really even acknowledges that you're there you you really feel like you've paid your dues you're successful now you shouldn't be doing this but it's a benefit and i guess it's kind of something they have to do i don't know Along your career path, no matter what your career is, there are things that you kind of just like are confronted with. And then you're like, OK, well, I just have to get this over with, you know, uh, no matter how successful you are. And he, he's just saying, you know, people are eating. That's the worst time to do comedy is when people are eating and you hear the, the clinking of the plates. And especially at a benefit, those are rich people who don't really relate to normal things in everyday life. I've done rich people audiences, and it's just a whole different vibe. Like, it's a very quiet, like, okay, well, we want to laugh, but we don't know how, you know? And that's kind of how it was last night. Last night last night was maybe the worst I've had, I don't want to say ever, but at least in a very long time. And a strange thing about my karma is things happen to me in twos. So I actually haven't been doing bar shows uh, for like a while and that's a point of that's a point of pride when you have when you have to experience like a slightly shitty thing again and realize that you haven't experienced that in a long time I'm like oh I've actually been getting on some kind of for the last year or so I've been just getting on some better shows and better stages and even when I mic it's typically to at least somewhat of a real audience you know so I, I can really test my stuff out and see whether or not it works and maybe talk to some people in the audience and and practice my crowd work And I want to say I've been going to this crowd work mic on Mondays Shout out to Kim McVicker She's a real uh, working comedian And she's, she's amazing, she's excellent And she can work clean, she can work dirty And uh, she's Canadian, anyway uh, She's a touring comedian But she does this mic on Mondays At a place that I like to go called Third Wheel And she co-produces it, co-hosts it With a guy named Ashley Johnson. He's going to be on a show that I'm producing next week, Friday, March 17th. He's one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Um, and if it had not been for that crowd work open mic that they host on Mondays at Third Wheel, you should go to it, if, especially if you're not a comedian. <laughs> go to it if you're a comedian. Everybody needs crowd work. But if you're a comedy fan, it's a really fun, engaging way to experience comedy and... And Third Wheel is really just a fun, engaging place in general to experience comedy. Most people who go there are really attempting to make something for themselves. They've been at it for a while. There's a few newbies in there, and I feel like those newbies are getting a better experience than I got when I was first starting comedy. Um, Just because they're surrounded by very generous, uh, friendly comedians, and, uh, and they get to be surrounded by this air of professionalism. You know, not this kind of shit show that you're usually kind of thrust into when you start comedy. But anyway, if it hadn't have been for that mic, I really just would have completely tanked my set last night. Last night, like I said, was the worst of both worlds. I had <coughs> I had loud fucking people just wanting to be the show themselves on one side of the room. And they wouldn't shut the fuck up. And on the other side of the room, I had these really proper erudite they're too good for every joke that's coming out. They just they're staring at you with their fucking dead eyes and every once in a while because they're front row like 2 feet from the stage, every once in a while they just start talking amongst themselves. It's just so fucking rude, but it's a bar. It's a bar. Sh- it's not a comedy club. At a comedy club, <clears throat> you tell people to shut the fuck up. You know, you're like, "Hey, you're at a club, fucking mind your manners, uh be an adult." You know, but at a bar, you're like I don't even really know that you came here for the show or that you knew that there was going to be a show, you know, so like, I want to be polite. I want it to be an enjoyable experience. I'm trying to meet them halfway, but the audience is split down the middle and these people over here, I'm trying to work with them who are being loud and fucking obnoxious and I'm trying to fucking out obnoxious them kind of. And, and in doing that, I'm alienating the other side of the room, which is just like pretending to be really proper i know all of them fucking do cocaine and eat ass and all this other shit but they're just like there's just one chick in the middle that her entire vibe is if i laugh that's a weakness and so i have to disagree with everything to be the she she needs to be the fucking alpha in the room and the only way she can be that is by being too good for everything and i fucking hate i hated that bitch More than the people that were talking too much. Because at least the people that are talking, they're engaging. And I I can do something with that. But when you're completely disengaging and the only thing that you have to say out loud is, I don't like what you're saying. What the fuck do I even do with that, you know? And so, if it hadn't been for, like, practicing crowd work. Actively practicing crowd work on Mondays at the third wheel. like Kim McVicker and Ashley Johnson's mic. I would have been fucking lost. And, and for like half, the first half of my set, I really fucking had them. Because the first thing this chick said, I didn't even have a chance to say a joke. I didn't even have a fucking chance because I just take the stage <clears throat> and this chick is just like being loud. I don't even hear what she's saying. She's like muttering loudly. And then I'm like, what? Because I'm like, I, I can't ignore what's going on. That's, that's a lot of a comic's duty is like, is addressing what's happening immediately around the room because it's this very intimate thing, this exchange that's going on between performer and audience when it's comedy, when it's a play, when it's theater, when it's music, it's a one-way thing and then the people just cheer or don't and that's their job. But when it's comedy, it's, it's varying levels of interactive and so I, I, if I ignore what's going on, then I'm, I'm being a shitty comedian and I deserve to bomb my set. So I'm just so she says some loud muttery shit and I'm like, what? And then she says, oh, nothing. We were just deciding how much pussy you don't get, which that sentence is fucking moronic by itself. How much pussy you don't get? What quantity pussy don't I get? How many pussy have I not gotten this year? Have I not gotten six pussy? Have I not gotten a million pussy? And then she said a tired-ass line that I've heard my entire life. And she said it with the confidence, like, she just made it up right now. She said, oh, the last time you had pussy was when pussy had you. And she looked around like she was really proud. Like, she pulled that out of her ass. And I'm like, dude, I used to say that to people in middle school. Go fuck yourself. Back when it was actually true. (laughs) So I I just kind of went on this kind of crowd work rant and, uh, and i'm just like i said something along the lines of like yeah pussy had me last week i i slept inside of a pussy all night it was some some fucking stupid gross moronic fucking like heightening the game type shit and it it worked everyone was cool with it and then i looked to the other side of the room with the people that are too good for the comedy <laughs> and i kept on saying vagina and i like saying that comedically because of this you comedically like it's got a lot of syllables in it you know and it's it's kind of like makes you really imagine the vagina you know what i mean and i saw that i saw that she was cringing i saw that this chick was cringing at me saying that too much and she's and then she's like why don't you just say pussy and then i just started rattling off all the names for pussy that aren't pussy and she's just cringing and i'm like i'll i'll make you a deal i'll say pussy if everybody here in the bar chants pussy and so i had them all chanting pussy for like three minutes and then i didn't know the problem with that is i didn't know where the fuck to go from there I've just been talking to the audience for half my set and I, I would like to do some material, but that disconnects that disconnects me from everything that just happened. I have to pretend that none of it happened. And it was just so fucking brutal. Like after that, I just couldn't any premise. I tried to go into different premises and it's not like they were being quiet and waiting for the bit to kind of like grow or come full circle or whatever a bit does. They were kind of, like, staring with this vacant disapproval. They're just like, Uh, oh, God, uh. It's kind of like that, it's a quiet, like, snarl, like, snark. Like, why is he even talking? I'm like, dude, because I was booked at the show. It's my job that I don't get paid for, that I do. <laughs> it, was, it was so fucking brutal. It was brutal on both sides. And then it ended with um, the host... I went up and I told the host, I'm like, I need a fucking shot after that set. And nobody was doing well. Everyone was like doing terribly. And at least mine, I like, I felt like I engaged. The person, the very last person to go on was a guy named Tyler Strauss. And he did well. He did well. He's also a professional comedian. He has merch and he tours and, you know, and I aspire to be that good soon. <laughs> I don't want to see that. I don't want to say that's my ultimate aspiration. My ultimate aspiration is to be the fucking best in the whole fucking world. That's my ultimate aspiration. But um just to be able to play with the audience and feel them. And I realize now looking back at it that I could have still done a few things to meet them halfway if I was just able to get out of my head. But I really had like an when you have an oh shit moment, it'll either give you you probably know. It it'll either give you Inspiration, or it'll make you kind of shut down. And so at first, it gave me inspiration, but then too many oh shit moments in a row, just kind of like, I sort of shut down and just really want, I just really wanted to go into some material. Like, you don't understand, like, this is practice for me. Like, that, that's how I look at bar shows. I'm like, I'm practicing. I'm practicing, I'm training with weights on. You know what I mean? Of course you know what I mean. Thank you. Um... <laughs> So that was my second. Last week, I had another bar show. And I think what fucked me up about that one is that – so I'm from Orange County, and I, I mostly hang out and do comedy in L.A. And people over here in Orange County have this strange um, – whatever the opposite of a stigma, you know? They feel like if you're going to L.A., you should, you're taking it more seriously, which is kind of – it's kind of true, you know? I guess it sort of means that you take yourself more seriously. I would agree with that because it just means that like I want to be seen by people who can do something for me. It's nice practicing in Orange County and there's nothing wrong with it uh, except that if I'm a comic in Orange County and I stay in Orange County, that's all I will ever be is a comic in Orange County. In L.A. there's opportunity. That's the only part of it. But they kind of feel like that makes you a better comedian automatically and that's not true at all. People open mic and struggle over there the same as they do anywhere else, you know. And so I was doing a show among my peers who probably feel like I'm so much more accomplished now or at least a little more accomplished. That's the vibe that I get when people tell me, oh, you're, you're up in L.A. a lot now. Like that's kind of the vibe. And I could be wrong. I could be completely mistaken. But I felt in myself that I really wanted to impress them. I wanted to show because I really do work hard. I really do grind. I really do work out these bits. And I, I really do, you know, work hard to find my voice and improve my voice and play to my strengths and strengthen my weaknesses, all that stuff, you know? And I really just wanted to have a good show in front of the people who were my peers first, you know, my, uh, in Long Beach and Orange County. And once again, there was just this, there w- they were in the same booth where there was the one bitch that wouldn't shut the fuck up. And they were just kind of like talking over my set. And again, I'm in a bar, so I don't want to be rude to them because I'm pretty sure they didn't know there was a show going on. And then while I'm talking, while I'm trying to deliver my set, I hear that in my ear. It's just like, oh, there's a show? How long is this show going to go on? And they're talking like in their regular talking voice. They're not like trying to whisper or anything like that. It's almost like they're talking to me and I'm trying to tell my jokes. And I don't know how much of it to address because I don't. it's one of those long lobby bars and I don't know. I don't know how much of it everyone else hears, and I'm trying to do some crowd work too, and this chick's like, I fucked my cousin, and I'm like, dude, nobody asked you that, like what, this just big tut, this big-titted dumb bitch just wouldn't stop talking about fucking her cousin, anyway, so I had to do some cousin fucking material for like a few minutes, and then the people at the other end of the bar were like, why'd you talk about cousin fucking for that long, anyway, excuse, I hope I didn't mentioned this on the last podcast because i'm having a little bit of deja vu but i also know that i've told the story a bunch of times because it haunted me (laughs) it haunted me and i i kind of had a date later that night and uh and the chick is just like the woman the woman i should say because i i feel like chick is something you say for someone you don't know that well and uh and i do know her and i like her anyway the the woman i was with like she's she's just like you keep on talking about that fucking chick who that that fucked her cousin you keep on mentioning it and i'm like it's just haunting me right now and I really wanted to do well and perform well and I had some like bits that I was really proud of that I really wanted to perform and things worked that don't normally work and then my my big punchline that I wanted to end on like nobody gave a shit about it and I was just like I fucking hate bar shows but I still have to do them anyway that's my whole that's my rant on bar shows how long have I been talking about that let me check my time oh my god I've been talking for 20 minutes about the fucking bar shows god damn it Eighteen and a half minutes, whatever. There's other things I wanted to talk about. Um, hold on, I'm going to take I'm gonna take a sip out of my water. My big brown water jug that I take everywhere. I left it at work for like two days and I've been having to drink bottled water. And it's fucking expensive. It's expensive when you have to pay for every individual 16, 20 ounce water. Oh yeah. I feel better. I'm well caffeinated. I've had my Vietnamese coffee. I'm hydrated. I really feel like I needed today to, to take off. and I was waking up early all last week. And for me, that's like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. That's early for me because I go to sleep at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. I was waking up early all last week to get things done and... I didn't give myself a day off. So today I'm just like, I'm going to take a day off. And you know what? It's really different taking a day off and not smoking weed or not taking an edible. You're just really sitting with yourself and allowing yourself to meditate, allowing your brain to keep up. Having said all that, I can't wait to take an edible. I can't wait to do it. But my plan, I have a plan and we'll see if I stick to it. I want to, before I take another edible, before I go back to weed, I want to microdose a couple times and just kind of, because hallucinogens, even when you're doing just a little bit of them, they kind of cause you to take survey of your life or what you've been doing lately. And so I just want to be able to feel a little bit, at least accomplished. And I don't want to say that's a cheat that you, you accomplish, you would at least attempt to accomplish things. You put in the work, you know. So at least you can say I put in the work, you know. So if things aren't accomplished, it's not because I didn't try. I feel like that's even. I can't tell which one is worse: I didn't accomplish because I didn't try, or I I attempted all these things and still nothing's accomplished. I do feel like the not trying for me is worse because then you're like, well, I haven't accomplished anything, and I'm a piece of shit. Where at least, in, at least, if you've attempted, when you've attempted, then, then. Th- then there's something salvageable. There's a forward momentum, you know? Even if it's just like you're banging your head up against a wall, you're like, well, this wall could break, you know? Especially if it's drywall. So I'm looking at my notes here. Bar shows. Did that. Cross it out. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Uh, The special just came out. His new special, Selective Outrage. And by the way, while I'm saying this, I just want to say I want to finish the podcast before my fiancé comes home because it's. I feel really awkward. She doesn't care. She doesn't mind. She'll sit there and stare at me, and then it fucking throws me off because she, she just loves to torment me. That's part of our fun that we have together. She just? She knows little ways to get under my skin, and she just likes to do it. And sometimes it's big ways. Anyway, but it's playful. It's all in love. But I, I still don't want to deal with that while I'm doing the podcast. Um selective outrage that's the name of chris rock's uh new special that he just put out and uh i you know i feel really i guess it was a live event and i was unaware and most people i know were unaware because um, i i watched i wasn't able to watch louis ck's uh live but i mean not while it was live but he he aired it on his website unedited for a month so I was able to watch the live feed But not watch it actually live And Chris Rock It was definitely more polished You can tell that he's not deplatformed So he's got you know, Netflix on his side And a bigger budget But I guess there was a pre-show and a post-show that I missed And I really would have liked to have that I'll say two things About the Chris Rock special uh, Number one I watched it all the way through And that's saying a lot because I don't usually watch things all the way through. Even some of my favorite comedians, uh, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, uh, Nate Bregatze, uh, Bregatze, Bregatze? anyway, um, you can tell Nate Bregatze is originally ethnic, but he grew up in the Midwest and you're not, you're not allowed to be ethnic. Like I know a guy named Shane, Shane DiBianchi and he's from, I think Mississippi, but I'm not sure. And he's like, it's not good to be Italian in the South. So we just say DiBianchi and people think it's something else. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, so I watched Chris Rock's special all the way through. And so that is to say that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that is to say that uh, before I'm even able to put judgment on it, it captivated my attention for that whole time. So that that's a that's a knee jerk reaction, you know? I wanted to watch, I couldn't stop watching, it was late at night, I wanted to go to bed, but I couldn't stop watching, so his skill as just a speaker, as an orator, as someone to keep the energy going while he's talking, to keep me interested, I mean, that's top notch, that's fucking top notch, because I don't watch anything all the way through, no matter how good it is, you know, I have to be in a movie theater, forced, captivated, with snacks in front of me and shit, you know, uh, to to watch anything all the way through and so he had me captivated all the way through on the other side of that not very many laughs and i'm not the only person who said that like uh plenty of other people i i talked to and whose opinions matter to me comics and non-comics they said you know one person said it was a long way to go for a little sip of water with regard to punchlines, right, so he would talk about a topic, and you can tell, or at least I felt that you can tell he's been hanging out with Dave Chappelle, there's a lot of Chappellness there, you know, including a couple of key phrases that are like Chappellisms, you know, like when uh, Chappelle drops a, my god, you know, like, my god, he, he, he doesn't say it like, Chappelle doesn't say it like, oh my god, he says it like, as a superlative right before he's about to say something like my god did it hurt him or something like that you know and you know Chris Rock dropped one or two of those I called attention to the mic drop at the end because really Chappelle that's become his thing where he drops it or just throws it up in the air he's just done with the mic you know um but I guess I also haven't seen it's been the last special that Chris Rock put out was Tambourine, and then they put out, like, an uncut version of that. I think it's called Blackout. And it's, it's hard for me to watch because, like, I already saw Tambourine a couple times. I really enjoyed Tambourine, loved Tambourine. I think it came out in, like, seven, 16 or 17 or something like that. I, I remember, like, I was just starting comedy. So it was, like, five years ago, I think, something like that. I might have been, you know, slightly less than that. I'm not going to look it up. Who gives a shit? Uh, it was a while ago. It's not like, because some of these guys, they put out a, a special every year, every other year. And Chris Rock, I have so much respect for Chris Rock. Even before, I, I've I've gone back and watched his specials at different times in my life. And I've grown appreciation for them. So much more. Uh, now, because I, I understand that the people that I look up to as comedians, Bill Burr dave Chappelle, louis ck uh though i mean that's almost my mount rushmore and i guess put chris rock on there i mean i'm not neglecting the ogs i love me george some george carlin i love me some richard pryor uh lenny bruce those are like the godfathers those are the like the founding fathers of modern comedy you know and uh there's some other names i'd love to like research and look back and you know mort saul or uh the person who's like, Dave Chappelle, even at his stage in the game, has a mentor, and I always forget his name because it's someone that, like, you kind of don't really know about uh, unless you're probably, like, a high-level professional comedian, you know? But, I mean, all those people, uh, Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., uh, Bill Burr, they, they all, when they were coming up, looked up to Chris Rock And having said that, they all look older than Chris Rock. Chris Rock looks fucking amazing. He's ridiculous. You know, he looks like he might be in his thirties. He's in his mid fifties, and uh, still with the energy. Still with you know, talking about prescient things, relating his own experience to what's going on in the larger world. And that's something I kind of didn't see coming. Uh, He roasted the fuck out of Will Smith. Of course, we expected that. But he really related what happened between him and Will Smith to a larger phenomenon that's going on in the world. And that's the name of the special, selective outrage. And I guess that's why it had me holding on for the whole time because and I've seen some woke people not like it for kind of the wrong reasons. People always hear what people always hear what they expect to hear, what they want to hear, sort of they want to be upset, they'll be upset. I'm definitely not upset at anything he said. Uh someone I know who's who's maybe a little more liberal. And when I say more liberal, I really mean a little more pre-programmed liberal, not like for me an OG independent or actually uh, an actual liberal is a person who who just kind of thinks independent thoughts. And I've mentioned this before where you see someone where you, you hear someone say something and you're like, yeah, I, I wish I could have thought to say it that way. But when you're kind of more pre-programmed, you hear thoughts and you think that they're yours. It's a different thing. You hear someone say something and you somehow think that you thought it yourself. And I actually mention it in the book I wrote, plugging the book I wrote, Redfish, Bluefish, Ffish, Ufish. I don't mind saying it's a fucking brilliant book. Please buy the book. <laughs> It's a brilliant book, and it also needs to be out there. People need to read it. I feel like it's an important book, and I deserve the fucking money for it anyway. <laughs> I've made zero money on that book. It's costed me a lot of money to self-publish it. Anyway, it's a good book. It's also well-illustrated by my fiancé, who's a fucking genius. Anyway, so going back to Chris Rock. Um, yeah, I, lo- I loved all those things about it. He really, uh, he really says... Like, he kind of repeats what a lot of us were saying about the slap. Like, look. You are in a dark place in your relationship with Jada. We get that. But don't go taking it out on fucking someone for telling a joke. Because he was clearly on board with the joke to start with, and then he got the death stare from Jada. I've talked about this on the podcast, too, before. I don't need to fucking repeat it. And then he said something that I thought as an, huh, I, I'm in an in-between stage where I was raised white, I talk white, but I'm not white, right, so I'm kind of in a neither place, but, like, when I say things about even, like, my own kind of people, right, like, Lat- Latinks <laughs> Latin people, whatever, that's, I mean, I guess that would be, you would call them my people, my people are Southern California people, honestly, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, like, say, like, I I am with a, category of people there's a place that i belong southern california that's all of it you know but even when i talk about like latin people mexican people south american people if i go a little too negative with that (coughs) it's not like when (coughs) excuse me oh my throat's dry it's not like when black people say the n-word it's not like that when i talk about latin people and it goes a little too negative it really sounds like i'm a racist white person and i'm I don't want to say I'm not racist. Everyone's a little racist. But I'm not full of hate, I guess I'll say. I'm not prejudiced, you know? Excuse me. Oh, shit, my fiancé's home. What's happening? Hi. Hey, baby. I'm doing the podcast right now. Hi. Hey. You want to come take a poll class? Do I want to come take a poll class? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Why? Are you too scared? Scared of looking effeminate? Scared of building back muscles? Pussy. See, I told you that was going to happen. All right, uh, I'll, I'll come back later on, I think. I don't know. I'm uh, taking an intermission. All right, she's gone. The scourge of my podcast is gone. Um, <laughs> she came here, immediately Immediately began to torment me. And if I would have kept the recording going longer, you would have just heard me laughing like a fucking little girl. Because she, she's just doing physical humor in front of me. She's the fucking funniest person I know. It's not even a contest. She's so... It's fucking ridiculous. And she's an accountant. She's a smart artist. That makes masterpieces. In the middle of the night I wake up to them. And she's an accountant. And the fucking funniest person in the world I've ever met anyway. That's my fiance. I love her and I don't want to do the podcast around her because there's just going to be a lot of scuffling sounds and you're not going to know why I'm giggling like a little girl. Because she makes me, she gives me the, it's not just belly laughs, but like, but like these loud squeal laughters, you know what I mean? When it's really genuine, <laughs> that just, that's a small little taste. I am going to be wrapping up the podcast uh, shortly. Uh, I'm getting dressed as I speak right now. I was talking about Chris Rock. I pretty much said everything I had to say about it. Um, I liked it. I, I love Chris Rock. I, he's just one of my comedy... You know, I look up to him. I wish... I, I got to see these people more often in real life. In fact, that's kind of what I want to do tonight. I want to get a workout in. And then I want to go down to the comedy store. And just hang out for a little bit. And watch some people. And hope that someone like Chris Rock. Or Bill Burr shows up. And just hangs out for a little bit. And by watching them... You know, you, you kind of hope that this osmosis happens, and it kind of does a little bit. I remember the first time, because I, I'm a horrible comedy fan in that, like, and just writing, I don't, I don't read new authors, I don't really give new comics a chance, and now I do, you know, now I do, and I, I'm so glad that I've been able to discover people on my own that are getting big now, like Moses Storm, like Neil Nanda. These people are amazing, and they're the kind of they're the legends of tomorrow, you know, and uh, and I hope that m- the people I'm coming up with are the same, are are future legends, you know, because they we really put in so much work, we really love it so much, we put so much love into it, you know. I hope that we can also help each other too. Anyway, um, I did want to broach the subject. I'm I'm posting a lot more on platforms, right, and that's just really the last few days, but I'm really just. I'm a very creative person, and but it's a lot of work creating. And so it becomes this thing that you have to wait for this window of opportunity. And I'm, I'm really just over that. And with, with all the tools that we have at our disposition, at our disposal, there's really no excuse for a person like me not to be just putting something out there all the time. So I've been posting because YouTube is really uh, – YouTube is really – making some moves to be in the social media space more than just a platform for clips and stuff like that. So they have shorts and it, it's really similar to Instagram story. So I've been posting a lot of shorts. Uh I've been posting uh more on TikTok and just kinda like little ideas when they come in my head come in come in my head. <laughs> that really sounds like I was on the wrong end of a bukkake. Um <clears throat> or the right end, depending on who you are. But anyway, um yeah, when ideas pop into my head, I really just want to be executing them, especially if they're simple little stupid ideas. That's the best stuff, you know? It doesn't need to be complicated and artistic. Just a dumb fucking idea. That's, I mean, I love it when I see it. Why wouldn't other people like it? So. <laughs> I'm posting stupid little shit, and uh, and I'm really just wanting to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, you know? So one of those things is I'm reacting to, uh, aside from, like, ideas that pop in my head, like when I get an inspiration from something I'm watching, like, say, a Joe Rogan clip, I want to post my reaction, and just anything that gains traction is just good for a person who, just like me, who wants to be on the road, and you need to convince people that you should be on the road, that people would want to see you. And so one thing I responded to, I'm going to put the microphone down on the thing right now and I hope it doesn't make too much noise. Ah, okay. One thing I responded to was a Joe Rogan clip with a guy I never heard of before a couple days ago who calls himself Coffeezilla. Um, And I guess he's kind of an investigative social media guy. I'm not exactly sure, but they're talking about Logan Paul And uh, Logan Paul did something with cryptocurrency where he invited a bunch of investors and then really just kind of cheated him out of like a few million dollars, you know, and maybe he intentionally cheated them. Maybe he just fell asleep at the switch because he also got rich on social media fame. And now they're just kind of exploring everything they can do with this. And I think it's Logan. I forget which one of the Paul brothers is the boxer, but clearly there's some work ethic in there, too. It doesn't fucking do itself. But they were saying, you know, it's a different responsibility when you invite investors. And my argument is that no, it's not. Um, Because that's how millions of dollars are made. Millions of dollars are made by screwing people out of money. And I shared that as my reaction. And I know you're not supposed to check out the comment section. I know that's just the worst thing you can do. But the comments are all like, I feel like. It's a good sign when the comments are random. Like a friend of mine has like some thousands of views on her TikToks and, and some of the comments are mean and some of the comments are really random and have nothing to do with the content at all. And I'm like, that's a good sign. That means that it's just getting so many eyes on it that it's just going non sequitur. But for me, all of them are just like, oh, this guy's in a fantasy land. He thinks that you make money by screwing people over. I'm like, no, that's how money is made. That's how money is made. You study it historically and nobody makes money in the millions or billions without getting blood on their hands, essentially, and sometimes literally. And thats I feel like if you don't understand that, you're not only are you living in a fantasy land, but your grip on reality and your understanding of cause and effect, the way things happen in our society, it's hurting us. Because if you don't understand that that's the truth, then you don't understand how to fix it. And then if you don't understand how to fix it, then you're part of the problem because you really think that there is some sort of moral compass guiding society. And the only moral compass guiding society is that they want us to be nice so that we're nice to them and so we have to be nice to each other. And on the other side of that, our opinion matters, our collective opinion as a massive mob of people who are managed by people in control. I hope I haven't gone too circular with the logic on you, but you understand what I mean. The only moral compass is the whim of the crowd and they have to convince us that a thing is good or at least they feel that they do to keep us in order and that's the only moral compass there is. Aside from that, millions and billions of dollars are made by ditching your sense of a moral compass. Anyway, I have nothing else to say on that. I'm actually going to go. This is the only time I hope I will ever leave in haste. I hope to be back with a guest next week. I almost had one last week. But I guess I really needed to like emotionally prepare and also I kind of need to because it's going to be a phone call and I really don't know how to handle a phone podcast on the anchor platform. So I kind of need to do like a test run and whenever you do something new, there's kind of like you need to be emotionally prepared for it sort of thing. I know that sounds like some bitch ass shit, but like it's true. Anyway, thank you all for uh, joining me. I'm going to go get in a workout and then hopefully go to the comedy store, check out some comedy, and hopefully get on a stage and get just like a few short minutes of time out in Los Angeles. Uh, Thank you for joining me. I'm glad to be talking with you, at you, towards you. Uh, Happy day, night, evening, whatever part of the 24-hour cycle it is for you. Happy International Women's Day. That's what day it is right now as I'm speaking to you. And uh, to all the women out there, I want to have sex with all of you. No. Half of you. Anyway, I'm just being a piece of shit. Uh, (laughs) But seriously, uh, thank you and I love you. Until next time. Mwah.